0: What's good? What's going on? Welcome back to another episode of the Hogshaven Podcast, powered by SB Nation. You can find us at Hogshaven.com, at Hogshaven on Twitter and on Facebook. I am your host, Molly mole Jamal Forrest, you can find me on Twitter at Let Maul. Tell It. Do not forget the U. We muddying things up over here in D.C., man. Three straight dubs for the home team, the Washington Commanders. And look, I don't even know if <laughs> I'm just here. For... Look, I told people when Trevor died, man. I'm just here. I'm just here for the waves, man. I don't know where this thing gonna take you, cause this team. Uh, the the more I talk about how, and and it's not we're not lying when I say this, right? And and if anybody says this, like if anybody thought, damn, I don't know how Washington won it, cause they should have lost it. If you're saying that, if you're thinking that you're not wrong. You're a hundred percent right. And I'm riding the wave officially from now on because they continue to find uh, ways to win. And I think that's what is actually like showing like a, like that's an, uh, a change that you can't like visually see. It's not tangible. It's an intangible. It's a way that you, you find ways to win. You rally, you, you, you show composure, you find these ways to win and it ultimately instills and breeds confidence and like this nature that we can always get this done. And that is what Washington is doing. And that is for whatever reason, why I think that this is not a good football team. They continue to find ways to win. And that is the most confusing phase and state of my life that I've been in. (laughs) uh before i can tell you man uh if if you have not done so make sure you hit that rating and review that is definitely appreciated washington wins on the road against the indianapolis colts 17 to 16 and another fourth quarter thriller for the commanders um i think the theme of the day is two themes it's two big themes here it's scary terry and it's the turnovers um this is the second straight game where Terry McLaurin has made critical plays for this team in the fourth quarter to either solidify a win or make make the odds more difficult for the defense, I mean, for the opposing team or contribute to the go ahead touchdown. Um if not be responsible for the go ahead touchdown. Um and he did both last week against the Green Bay Packers and then this week he does one giving a huge boost to this offense on a uh, a fourth, uh fourth fourth quarter call late fourth quarter uh, on the last drive of the game with nearly i think it was 40 seconds left he throws a throws a taylor heineke does first off he does a lot to elude in the pocket and force a scramble drill um and he connects uh locks on with Ter- terry mclaurin and sends him deep and terry is already on on the same page with him and uh, taylor and, and and immediately beat stefan gilmore because he gets lacking and, and obviously uh he has nobody over the top in that coverage that they were in um and and ultimately goes up mosses them snatches the ball from him. Uh, this is a, a play where stefan gilmore had both hands on the football and takes it away from uh stefan gilmore terry mclaurin does so uh Hell of a play from Terry on the day. Another efficient day. Six receptions, 113 yards on eight targets. Obviously, the biggest one was the 42-yarder. Um, and, I, no, I don't think that was – that wasn't the 42-yarder. Uh, he had a he had that long for 42 on the, the crosser. Uh, but that one for the go-ahead that would have led to the go-ahead was a 33-yarder. Um, but, yeah, a, a very effective day for Terry McLaurin. Um, where do you even start? Because obviously I haven't even got to the turnovers. Um, let's start there and then circle back to the offense, uh, this game, but defensively, Sam Ellinger goes 17 for 23, 201 yards, two sacks on the day, one turnover, um, one fumble lost. Um, and then you have the Indianapolis, rushing offense go for 29 carries 135 yards uh one touchdown they averaged i believe um what is the number 4.7 yards per carry on the day um so very effective day on the ground and i think there was one thing that was most important with this game it's if you can limit the amount of yards that they have on offense on the ground you can try to make this game one-dimensional for sam you can try and pressure these guys. And I think one of my keys to the game was the, the fact that they had to win their one-on-ones because this was going to be a look where uh, you can try to create pressure and not even get that confidence, allow that confidence to get into Sam Ellinger uh, on the day. And I think Sam Ellinger didn't look uncomfortable. He didn't look out of sorts in the pressure. Like, yes, you had two sacks, but I, but I think that the bigger picture was like, he was able to make plays from the pocket and outside of the pocket. Um, And for all of the plays that, that that Colts offense made uh, through the ground and uh, the explosives, right. The defense forced two big turnovers on the plus side of the field for the Colts. And I think that's what ultimately did it for this defense. And that's what, uh, really put these guys in a bind. Three critical stops altogether. One was not a turnover, but two, um, one was the Ellinger fumble, and then the other one was the Jonathan Taylor fumble, and plus territory. So these turnovers on top of uh the one big stop by Jamin Davis contributed to the Colts going one for three in the red zone. So you had one fumble that was outside of the red zone, one fumble. I think the Jonathan Taylor one was inside the red zone, and then you had – uh jamon davis a huge stop on third down at the goal line that ultimately contributed to a field goal instead of a touchdown because the play before where jamon davis was able to go through that a gap untouched the play before um i think it was ellinger who got in on if it wasn't him i think it was a receiver uh some type of play where they they initially thought that he had crossed the plane. Um, But he ended up being short, obviously. So it was really a a huge difference, a huge point difference and swing like that. So I think that was really good for Washington to really be able to uh, stand tall in that situation for uh, an offense in Indianapolis who couldn't get things going pretty much all season. And they were able to get the explosives on Washington's defense, uh, whether it's through the ground or through the air. Shoot, if you think about even the last drive of the game, 22 seconds left, one timeout, and Michael Pittman gets to midfield on whatever route it was. It's some type of crosser uh, for at least 20-plus, and he drops it. So it was incredible just the amount of explosive potential that was there and the explosive plays that did hit for Indianapolis, uh, an and inept offense in a sense. And they only had Jonathan Taylor back there, and they were able to really create um, against this defense. And uh, the turnovers really helped them. It really helped them. So, a shout out to the the defense for creating those turnovers and creating those opportunities uh, for the offense again. And shout out to Terry McLaurin for coming through late at the end. But I think the bigger picture is here um, is sometimes what we always focus on on this show, especially post game. Uh, but but I think it it matters here because you're trying to figure out like what this team is like how how do you manage to to like understand what it is what is being presented to you. And I think that's the biggest thing. Um, I came across this tweet (laughs) during the game. And from Sam Fortier, it was on the drive in which Washington kicked their field goal when they were down 16 to nine or 16 to seven. uh, And they made it a 16 to 10. There was a tweet by Sam Fortier that said that Washington had uh, 10 offensive drives to that point. And their field goal drive was the second time they gained thirty or more yards on the drive. This offense, for as good as it did in that fourth quarter on that last drive, um, and and, and truthfully, the fourth quarter altogether, ten points is the most that they scored throughout the quarter. I mean, screw out throughout the game in one quarter, um, you go two for twelve on third down, right? Um, and you go three point four yards per rush on the ground right 28 rushing attempts none of your running backs was really effective it was the the legs of taylor heineke that brought that running game to life which is good it's not a problem that's that's what he's there for but ultimately this is the the type of offense that you have is is an inept offense for for a large portion of the game there and even on that fourth down call uh where you're hoping just to get two yards and you're trying to really establish yourself on the ground like it's something that you have not been able to do throughout the game um even in the passing game there was some inconsistencies early on uh but that ground game was unable to get established that that north south fourth down call where you give the ball to brian robinson and just really truly hope that you're until your offensive lineman can get a push in, in your backside, blockers can, can, can properly cut off these defenders and, and everybody fails. <laughs> you don't get the push that you need, that you're looking for, and the backside really isn't sealed off in the way that you want it to be, or that it needs to be for that play. And everybody, or O'Brien Robinson gets stood up in the backfield. Um, I, I say this to say, like, I ask the question, how, often, how sustainable is this offense? Um, this is an offense right now that really hasn't been able to get anything going. Like last week against the Packers was as good as it got in some period of time. That was the first time you got over 20 points in, in, (laughs) oh my goodness. I'm like, I'm, I'm staggering because I'm looking at the schedule right now since week two. So you're back at 17 points a game. And and week seven was the first time you scored over 20 points since week two. And you you didn't do it in week eight either. Ultimately, like, how sustainable is this offense? Like, having those spark moments isn't something that you can really live with um, throughout the season and and, and continuing throughout the season. Um, And for Taylor Heineke, uh, at one point, this team, uh really needed Taylor to rally and, and help this offense or help this team out as uh the, the, the defense began to give up consecutive points. I think it was a, a point in time where uh they gave up 13 unanswered. And that ultimately led them to being down by nine. Right? And uh Taylor Heineke <laughs> throws the interception that gives them the, uh, the, the, the opportunity to score a touchdown and they do off that interception. Right. So I think all of this, all of this is important because, uh, Heineke for, for all the heroics and, and, and how he's able to do things and you can't take away from the heroics. Like I had a conversation, um, with somebody earlier today on Trapper Dive and like the conversation stemmed from, you know, the fact that Taylor, I mean, excuse me, Terry McLaurin doesn't have a quarterback yet. And, and some of these guys, these receivers, some of these receivers, they just don't have that quarterback yet. But you got to understand, like, like part of this conversation and while this is a criticism of, of, of Heineke to 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 some of the ways that he plays, um, like forcing that pass in the triple coverage, which he did, despite the his arm getting hit, he was throwing in the wrong direction. Right. It was going to lead to a bad a batted ball or interception. Like the way the trajectory was going for all of the 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 heroics that taylor heineke pulls the the trickery that he pulls he has those moments where you're like i understand things ain't going well right now but you have to find a way to reel it in because we have so much football left in this game and for god's grace after that touchdown that indianapolis scored after his interception Washington goes down and scores the field goal, and then right after that scores another. uh, They score the go-ahead score that puts them ahead, uh, ultimately for good. Now to my point with Taylor Heineke, um, that interception was one, but then we got to remember the interception that he almost threw at the end of the first half, and that was a byproduct of of poor clock management on offense. Now. When I say poor clock management now sometimes I, I start to realize like the way that they're playing things the the coaching staff is um obviously Washington got the ball with two minutes and 35 seconds left in the second quarter I um, mean they run a ball and ultimately milk it down or let it run down to the to the two minutes two minute mark um and after that they run a second and five run up the middle and then a third and one run up the middle. Um, so they run they get six yards on two plays that ultimately takes off a minute and 10 seconds off the clock and it leaves them with 50 seconds left and they have to travel if they wanted to score they have to travel 67 yards again to get into the end zone um and they have three timeouts left <laughs> and they don't call it they don't call a timeout until after the first down that they convert on those two run plays that i mentioned previously so Bringing this up and bringing this drive up specifically, you know, you get Terry and this—I mean, excuse me, Taylor—in the situation where on third and one, there's one timeout left and he's it's 38 seconds left on the clock and he's at the 42 yard line of Washington and now you're forcing him to pass the ball, which is cool, right? It's okay, but now he's forcing it in a situation where he almost throws a pick. You don't want him to have to be like. To, to put that 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 burden and, and things like that on his back all the time and, and i think again my whole point was that the, the byproduct of the, the clock management like you could have easily been in a situation where you're trying to be more aggressive at the start of your of your drive versus hoping to see if you're going to get a first down uh because you don't want the indianapolis coast to get the ball i don't think sam ellinger was that Dangerous to where you had to really manage every second of that first half clock. I don't think you had to do that. So Taylor almost throws that first half interception. Um, and truthfully speaking, d- just that offense altogether, man, It's it's just something where I asked this question earlier in the in the podcast. I just don't know if it's really sustainable, man. You're going up against an offense in Minnesota who isn't going to hesitate to to be aggressive at least out the gate like they're going to look to put up 21 points and and just milk the clock after that they're going to hope to put up 24 or 28 milk the clock after that they're not they're not worried about anything else except for making sure that that clock is milked after they get a sustainable lead because the the commanders aren't going to I don't think they have any faith in the commanders offense I don't think that the commanders have shown that they are a formidable threat at this point. So all of this is important when you look at how they played against the, the Indianapolis Colts, the Green Bay Packers, the Tennessee Titans, the Chicago Bears, the Dallas Cowboys, Philadelphia Eagles. The Philadelphia Eagles are two weeks away. So it was the Vikings and the Eagles. Right, you got some games coming along. And I think the the more important thing, when you look at, Just how this offense is playing is uh, how sustainable is it? And that's my third time asking. Like, you think about uh, Taylor Heineke, right? We talked about that. Then you got to transition to the running game. Antonio Gibson, he started out on fire. He had 14 total touches. Um, I think he had around 70 yards um, of offense. Uh, let's see if my math is right. What's 58 plus 19? That about that's a little bit over 70, about 74, 75, something like that. And I'm letting I'm letting my words live because I know I'm not good at math, but y'all gonna y'all gonna look at that and be like, Boy, this boy's stupid. <laughs> um, but my point is, man, Antonio Gibson got was very effective and involved in the offense in the first half, and then all of a sudden, you know, things got quiet in that second half. I would love to see the game book so I can see how many touches he had in that first half and and seeing what he, what he had compared in the second half as well. Um, Terry McLaurin, I think the the biggest thing with Taylor Heineke being involved is not that, uh, he's getting the same amount of targets that he had with with Carson. Wentz. he had eight last game, he had eight this game, but also I think the difference in, in that, uh, uh, Carson Wentz and, and Taylor is that, Taylor knows when to work the one on ones. He knows when something is more designed for Terry than it is any other receiver. He's going to emphasize Terry on a given given call, and then also when you look at the 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 big play reception and the goal line, he knows I can trust Terry in this scramble jail situation. So we're going to go and hope that um well, I'm going to give Terry a shot when this matters. So. All of that stuff is important. Why is Siri Siri over here making noise on my phone while I'm doing this podcast. <laughs> um so Hi, It's all, nice to meet you Jamwell. Stop Siri stop. Okay? Relax. And don't don't make no more noise again. Please. <laughs> um So where was I Oh yeah, that so Terry in terms of the targets, eight and eight uh with with Taylor Heineke in this in those two games. Um, but the distribution, the distribu dis- dis- distribution has been more frequent and throughout a game versus uh the volume in a second half, like where, where Carson is is given four or or five of those uh eight targets in one half, right? So that's that's where I am. That's where I am. So typically, um, those are my thoughts uh, with this game. Uh, again, uh, it's a it's a muddy game, and I think that's going to be the theme moving forward. And I'll continue to like emphasize that. Like this is a game. This is a a team that really wants to to muddy up every single game that they're in. Uh, make a make a team filthy and, and be like, I can't believe that we're playing this game with with Washington, but we're we're in it. Um, I think that's kind of what we're facing right now with the the type of team that they're playing, or that the type of team they are. Excuse me, is that we're gonna have to get dirty in every game. We're gonna have to make sure that we find ways to win and steal some of these dubs. Um, and I think the the more that they continue to find ways to to win in this type of phase and type of type of environment that they're in, it kind of builds confidence for 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 bigger games. And I think that's kind of what. Like I said, Minnesota is going to try to get out there pretty big and, and, and pretty quick. Excuse me. They're going to try and get out big and pretty quick against Washington to start that game. But ultimately, uh, if Washington, and we'll talk about it as the week goes along, but Washington can can find a way to keep time of possession in their favor, right? They can prevent turnovers for some, like they did against Indy. Then you're talking about a team who's on the road to win for (laughs) sure. So before we get out of here, we to close on these one sentence takeaways from today's game. I typically tweet this out after every game and I'll go through some of the comments and give some people their, their credit. Uh, So disco started out the the party with Terry McLaurin has arrived as a top receiver in the NFL. Uh, This is all positive and negative, everybody. So take it for what you want. <laughs> Zen four eight nine, continuing on the treadmill of mediocrity with the worst five hundred team I have ever witnessed. Um, El Cabong eighty two says fire Scott Turner. Uh, Phil says Taylor and Terry. Echo thirty four fifty one, a season saving throw and catch, <laughs> and they got a gift. <laughs> they got a gift or a gif, whatever it is, of somebody pouring liquor in a uh, smoothie maker. So, somebody getting drunk. (laughs) Uh, Rob Lowe said, the O-line sucks, no push, but I'll take the dub, though. Super Saiyan Hefe, T-Mac. Ned Wynn says, Terry McLaurin is him. Dave Earl says, today, again, Heineke shows as the QB is better suited for. Today, Today, again, shows Heineke. Oh, I think it was a typo. Heineke is the QB. Oh Lord Jesus! Better than Taylor is the better quarterback suited for McLaurin than Wentz running the show. That was terrible. Do not tell anybody else that I did that. That I made that mistake. <laughs> um. Okay, Corey Williams, Tory McLaurin. That's it. Uh, Kyle Smith for Jim, the good man. Kyle, let Heineke play. Um, let's go ahead and keep scrolling through some more because there's a lot of the same. Ben's ad said love the flight, love the fight, love the ending, but Scott Turner is still trash. Uh K dot blow it up. Ty dot TJ. Heineke he understands who the highest player highest played player on the team is. That is a tongue twister. Um, I'm gonna stop saying stuff so I can um stop embarrassing myself. <laughs> Or maybe I need some water. I don't know. Uh, but K. Pile said, "Last thing, uh, dub." I think that's all that matters for some people as well. Um, okay, so this has been, I think, and one last thing to to close out because I, I I talked about the play, but I think that that moment is is big too, and I think it needs some attention. And then we'll close out. Terry McLaurin against. Stefan Gilmore, um that moment is big for Terry, but I think what's enabling moments like that I think the biggest mistake that people can do in the situation is is sit here and criticize the throw like you gave Terry a one on one opportunity on Stefan Gilmore. And you gave your highest-paid player, your best player, quote-unquote, on, quote-unquote best player on the team, a chance, and he came through. Like, that is a defining moment for the player who got paid. That is a defining moment for the player who got paid, who is still developing, who the organizations put their trust in, who the quarterback is showing who he trusts in any moment. And I think for as far as you continue to grow, Moments like that is what makes you an elite player. And they have to continue to find ways to get the ball to Terry in these moments because this is the makings of a person who can develop into that go-to guy no matter what. And no matter what situation, give me the ball. Do we need 10 yards on this play? Draw me something up, Scott, and I'm going to make something happen for you. Like that was scramble drill to perfection. But he can get you to he can get you the ball in structure. Excuse me, let me be clear. Scott Turner can find a way to get Terry the ball in structure. Taylor McLaurin, Taylor, Taylor Heineke can find a way to get Terry the ball within structure based on scheme, based on coverage. And then Terry McLaurin can make a play to get open or make a play. Where a 50 50 is no longer a 50 50, it's a 70 30 in favor of Taylor. I mean, Terry, because he's just that guy. Like that moment against Stefan Gilmore, who was a dog ass cornerback. Again, he had four, he had two hands on the football. I don't even know where four came from. He had two hands on the football. That would have been a pick if there was anybody else out there to get the ball. But Terry was strong enough to strong arm it from Stefan. And give Washington an opportunity at the one yard line, and for all of that, that's important. So yeah, this is a very big one for Terry McLaurin, and I think for everything moving forward with the Commanders, no matter how I feel about that team, right? Because depending on you know the makings of of what this four game win streak or three game win streak means to them, and how they continue to develop as a team. Under these wins and finding ways to win and 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 and, and growing stronger, and the the core and the the resiliency is becoming uh, better and, and bigger for this team. No matter how I feel, like these moments are big to them, and I think no matter how we feel as a fan base or as people who are listening and and, and followers of the Washington Commanders, these wins are big for them. And if you are happy and if you are a fan who just wants to continue to see them winning in the season, right, then this moment is big for you as well. So shout out to Terry, man. Shout out to him for being able to do that at his in his home uh, hometown, his home city. And now up next is the Minnesota Vikings. That's it for the instant recap. Uh, I will catch you all throughout the week. Uh, stay tuned for that and on to week nine exciting fourth quarter man but there's still tons and tons to be concerned about uh good and bad everything in between all that good stuff y'all take it easy enjoy y'all day enjoy your evening whenever y'all listen peace